So yeah, if you weren't here last week, we've started a new series um, on the topic of freedom, and we're going to do that for the next four weeks. And uh, I just want to give you a really, really brief sort of recap of last week, but all of these are going up on the podcast and on the website, so if you want to catch up anything, um, feel free to do that as well. But last week, basically, we said that the only way to have freedom is in Jesus, that that sort of... The sort of typical view of our culture, right, is that freedom is just about breaking out of external um, constraints, just getting more things, just sort of doing whatever you want. But according to Jesus, that's not actually freedom because we're at, our problem is slavery on an, on an inside. It's a sin. And that this, as well, this sort of idea that our culture has that we can sort of stand on neutral ground and we can just live for ourselves and we can just do what we want. According to Jesus, that's also not true, that there's only two options, that we are either serving him or we're serving his enemy, the kingdom of, of darkness, and that there's, so these two, there's two ways to live and there's not this neutral ground. So we're saying Jesus, Jesus is making this big claim that freedom is only available in him, but that it's free, that if we put our confidence in him, he sets us free from sin. And then he says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and my apprentices, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we said, we, we put our confidence in Jesus to be free, and then we live as his apprentice. So we live this life of learning from Jesus, walking in the truth, growing to be like him, and that's a growth in freedom, because he's the truly free person. He's the image of God, and that's what we were made to be. So that's kind of what we said last week. That's, that's where we went. And I pointed to the fact that there, there is a potential problem in doing this, in what I was talking about last week. I was talking about giving our lives to being apprentices of Jesus, to, to following Jesus as his disciples. But the potential problem is that we approach that as like an external standard of rules, of things that we have to or should or ought to do. And that kind of creates this sense of pressure. And we, we know, right, in, in, in Christianity that we don't have to work to please God. We know that we're saved by grace, that Jesus has done everything that, that we believe, and we get given this, this new life, and we get given eternal life. But often, what happens is after that, we think, now we have to do the right thing. Now we have to work hard. Now we have to try hard. Now we need to make sure we're doing good, we're doing what God commands, we're making sure we're reading our Bible, we're making sure we're praying, we're making sure we're sticking to the things that we should do. And this creates a whole lot of pressure. And, and often, um, people's experience of Christianity, at least to a degree, my, my experience has been as well, is that this, it actually creates this, this life of pressure, which it's, it's meant to be this life of freedom following Jesus, but we end up under pressure. And often there's sort of two responses to pressure that people often have. The first response is just to rebel, right? So someone says, this is what you should do, this is what you ought to do. You say, I don't want to do that. I want to be free. I want to do what I want to do. And you rebel. But that's not a good option. Because remember what Jesus said last week, that, that following and living in sin is actually not freedom. That's actually slavery. So that's not really a good option. So often we go with this other option. And often this is even what we encourage people to do at church is try harder, do better, be more committed, make yourself do what you need to do, what you're supposed to do. And it leads to this even more pressure. And what we'll look at is that doesn't even work either. And so what we're trying to do tonight basically is say, how are we to live and follow Jesus as his apprentice, but do it from a place of freedom? 
How can we live without pressure or external standards? Because it's like, what, what other way is there to live, right? We're so, so used to living under pressure, under right and wrong, good and bad, shoulds, ought tos. What are, how can we not live that way? That's what we're going to kind of look at tonight. We're going to look in Romans chapter 7, just the first six verses. So I'm going to have it up there, but you can follow it along as well. And it's really interesting because these verses are written by Paul, who was a man who followed the Jewish law very, very well. He lived his life under the Jewish law until he met Jesus, and then this completely transformed his life. So he was someone that lived under shoulds and oughts and have tos, and he actually did a pretty good job of it. He actually followed it quite well, is what he said. But then when he met Jesus, that all changed. And what, I'm, what I want us to think about tonight is the fact we, we know that, but sometimes we still go back and live like this. And that's what Paul starts to talk to and talk about in Romans 7. What he basically says is that we're free from that. And he goes even more extreme in his language to show that that's the case, is he says we're dead to it. They were actually dead to the law. That's, that should be our relationship to the law. And he gives the example of a marriage. So I'm going to read through this, and it's interesting, because he, he's talking to people who know the law, and he's using the law to try and prove this. This is what he says. Don't you know, brothers, from speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So he's saying that you only have to keep the law if you're alive. That makes sense, right? Like, you don't get a speeding fine if you're dead. Like, then, then you, you, you're free from that. Um, but so then he uses this example of marriage. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So he's saying if someone's married, Right? They're bound by law. But if one of them dies, the other is free to marry someone else. So the death brings freedom from the law. He keeps giving this illustration. He says this, Accordingly, she, so that the woman will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. So two people are married, and the woman goes and, and is with somebody else, and, and he's still alive. That's called adultery. But if he dies... She's free from that law. And now if she marries another man, it's not adultery. You see, what Paul's saying is that a death changes the relationship to the law. It changes things. And then he starts to use this language in our relationship to the law. This is what he says. Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ. That's pretty amazing, right? Like He's saying we are dead to the law because of Jesus' death. And this is, this is the good news, that we had to try and keep this, but we couldn't. Jesus kept it perfectly, and when he dies, he dies in our place. And like um, India said before, we receive his righteousness, his perfect record, and we're free. So he says, we have died to the Lord through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So now we have this new relationship that's not to the law, but it's this relationship with Jesus. So Paul is being very emphatic, right? Like we are not to go back to living this way. We are dead to this way. In our minds, we need to have a funeral for the law. Like, like it's done. Like we don't relate to God. We don't live in our relationship to God under right, wrong, what we should do, what we ought to do. We're trying hard. Now that, that might just be obvious to you. You might have heard that lots of times before. That might be really new and that might be really strange even. That might be a really foreign thing to say. It might be like saying, no, that, that can't be right. Like, surely it's good to live 
under rules. But Paul explains even further and actually says, no, it's not. This is what he says. While we were living in the flesh, that means just like while we were living in our natural human ability and our own strengths, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. This is really interesting. He, Paul, in the rest of Romans 7, we're not going to look at it, but he, he is really clear in what he's saying. He doesn't want people to misunderstand it. He's not saying the law is bad. He's saying the law is good. The, the, the commands that God gave are good. They're, they're his commands. They show perfect love. God, God's kingdom is a kingdom of perfect love, and his laws command perfect love and that's, that's, that's what they are. They are good. The problem with the law is it doesn't give us any power to actually do it. We actually can't keep it. We can't follow it. So all the law does is shows us that we fall short of perfect love. And it, it was meant to keep people in check and to bring them to Jesus. This is what it says in Galatians, that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It like was, was to lead them to Jesus. So now we have Jesus. We don't go back and live under this. And actually, it's, it's even kind of worse than that, because you see what, he, what, he, what he's saying is actually when you're living under rules or standards in our own strength, it actually makes us sin more, is what he's saying. You see what he's saying? That the, the sinful passions aroused, like stirred up by the law. It's as soon as there's these rules, it stirs in us our sin that wants to rebel against them. He's actually saying that when we relate to God based on the, the, the law, but based on really trying hard, we actually end up sinning more. I don't know if you've experienced this, right, but maybe when you were a kid, you weren't even interested in watching this movie or playing this game, but then your, your mum said you're not allowed to watch that movie and you're not allowed to play that game. All of a sudden, that's exactly what you want to do, right? You didn't even want to do it beforehand, but now she's made a rule. You don't say, oh, mum, you're so wise. Like, I definitely won't do that. You know what's best for me. Because she said, don't do it, we, you naturally want to do it. Or you might have experienced it the other way before, that like you really want to do something, but then someone makes it a rule that you have to do it, and then you kind of don't really want to do it anymore. It like takes away the freedom and the joy of wanting to do it. We were even talking about this last week, Mark and... I think Anna and a couple of us, we were talking about like sharing your faith and, and telling people about Jesus and how like it's a natural thing to want to do, right? Like in, in life, if there's something that's amazing and awesome, you naturally tell people about it. But then often like people will come and say, you have to tell people about Jesus. You should. It's the right thing to do. You ought to. And, and it kind of makes you not want to. Like, like I wanted to do that, but now you've made it a rule and said I have to do it. And, and it takes away the freedom and takes away the joy. This is what, what Paul is saying, that actually living this way, trying harder, trying to do what we should, do what we ought by this external standard or this pressure actually makes things worse. So then what are we supposed to do? Like if this is not the thing we go back to, what is this new way? This is what he says. He keeps going in Romans. Now we are released from the law. He's saying, he's saying that the law is actually like a form of slavery, having died to that which held us captive. So we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul's saying there's an old way of the law, but because of Jesus now, we serve in the new way of the spirit. What I want to do is just sort of go through exactly what this old way 
is, I know I've already done that a lot, but I'm just going to summarize it really quickly. Then we're going to look at some verses from the Old Testament and look at what is this new way that's available in Jesus and how is it incredibly freeing. This is the old way. So clearly it's the law, but not just the law of the Jewish law, right? Because we, we know that we can't keep that. But, but sometimes we still relate to God in this, this sort of external standard that we're trying to keep. When we're living this way, we're constantly trying to find the right thing to do. What should I do in this situation? And then once I figure out what I should do, I try really hard to do it. And it's all about depending on self. That's why this doesn't work, because we don't have the power. And the harder we try, the worse that we do. When we're like this, these are the sort of questions we ask. We're constantly asking, what should I do? What's the right thing to do? We're trying to find some standard to fit in and to make ourselves follow it. This new way, though, is very different. We're going to look at it, some, some verses from Jeremiah and Ezekiel and see what, what, what this is, this new way of the Spirit. This is what it says in Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Now, covenant is just like agreement. And, and, and he's saying, right, that this agreement that they had, that God had with the people of Israel, the people of Israel said, we'll do it. We're going to follow it. But they didn't. They broke it. They couldn't keep it. So now he says there's a new covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days to close the Lord. This is what he says. This is what this new arrangement, this new covenant is. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Not this external standard of law, but this internal new heart. This is how he says it in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the new arrangement that is now how we relate to God from this reality of a new heart that has God's laws actually written on it. This is the new way. It's not this external standard, but it's actually that God has made us right with himself, that we are perfectly accepted and loved by him, forgiven, and he's given us a new heart is actually an internal reality that he dwells in us and he's changed our hearts. His law is written on our hearts. So now we don't live always trying to find what's the right thing to do, what should I do, depending on ourselves. We live from the truth about who God is. We remember that, that, that he is our father. We are his sons and his daughters, that he loves us, and we, we live in that reality then we don't ask, what should I do? What's the right thing to do? We ask a different question. And this is probably going to sound strange. This is probably going to sound even kind of radical. But when, when, when you realize this, this highlights what this freedom actually is that's available in the new covenant. So if we're aware of this new reality in our heart, and if we're trusting and, and resting and relying upon God's love, we ask this question. What do I, as a child, a loved child of God, want to do? And then that's what we do. 
we are actually freed to live out our deepest desires, to actually live and do what we want. That is what is the reality of this new covenant, this, this new arrangement, this new way of the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying do whatever you feel. I'm not saying in any situation, whatever you feel like doing, just do that. And I'm not saying just do whatever is in your heart, even if it's wrong. We're going to talk about that later on. What I'm saying is that we can actually trust that God has put his spirit in us and he's actually put the desires of his heart in us. And when we're aware of that, when we're depending on him, we actually get to live out of what we want. And when we do that, when you kind of release yourself from this standard, this pressure, and actually think, what do I really truly want? Knowing that I'm loved and valued by God and I'm his child, like deep down we now want to love him. And we want to serve him. And we want to follow him. And that's, that, that, that is sort of the, the spirit in us that we can tap into. So maybe, like, maybe you're in a situation, and maybe it's with somebody that, that you're having some problems with. Maybe it's at work or at uni or in your family, and there's someone that's just bugging you or annoying you, or there's just some difficulty, and you're not really sure what you should do. And you're feeling pressure. What's the right thing to do? What should I do? Should I, should I get angry at them? Should I be mean to them? Should I talk to them? Should I just ignore it? What's the right thing to do in this situation? This is still living under this sort of external standard. Instead, in that situation, we're now free to look into that situation, to look at that person, and trusting and knowing God and depending upon him and realizing the internal reality of this new heart, you look at them and say to yourself, what do I actually want to do? in this situation? Do I want to reject them? Do I want to hurt them? Do I want to be mean to them? Don't I really actually want to love them and, and reveal God's love to them? And we actually get to live from that place of freedom and actually go and do it. How this relates to what we're talking about right at the start, right, is that we actually live as an apprentice of Jesus. And we actually follow Jesus, that this is actually what we want now. If we see who Jesus is, we see his reality and his love and his ways, that we get to follow him from this place of freedom. This is how he describes it when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the reality that he's brought in. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Right, that, that man is, being, is acting out of freedom. Right. He's deciding to give up everything to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. He's deciding to give up everything for that field because it's worth it, because he wants to. He doesn't say, oh, okay, I found some treasure. I suppose I really should go and sell my stuff to get the treasure because the treasure's probably worth a lot. I better do that because it's the right thing to do. Like, that's not it at all. It's that he wants to do that. That the reality of, of, of the truth that he's found is worth giving up everything for to follow. And that's what, that's what this looks like, following Jesus and apprenticeship to Jesus, is that we realize this is who he is, and we want to follow him, not as this standard that we have to keep, but from this place of freedom and joy. So as we do that, though, something really interesting happens. Like I said before, like this inner reality now, that the, the spirit in us is the spirit of love. 
And Jesus is in this kingdom of love, and he's, he's growing us in, in self-sacrificing love that he demonstrated on the cross, all from his place of freedom. Everything he did is from this place of freedom and love. And the interesting thing is that as we grow in that, as we follow him and live from this place of freedom now, we actually end up fulfilling this law. We actually end up keeping it, but not as an external standard that we should, but from this place of freedom that we wanted to. This is what Paul says in Romans. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. He's saying when we live in this new reality and live out of a love, we actually keep all the rules that God has given us. Because Jesus sums them up, that all, that all of them summed up, uh, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. But it's from this place of freedom now, whereas this was just external obedience. I'll do it because it's right. It's not about the heart. It's just about keeping the rules. But now it's actually from the heart. We actually love from our heart and love God from our heart and love others from our heart from this place of freedom. That's, that's what this new arrangement is. Now that, that, probably sound, that might sound really new and really strange, and you might be thinking to yourself, that sounds good, Tim, but what about like when in your heart you do that? You, you, you're thinking, what do I want to do? And when you do that, you realize what you want to do is clearly not loving, is clearly not right, is clearly not good. What do you do then? Do you go back to this law and say, I better do the right thing? Or do you just do it and then sin? And then that goes back to slavery. What do you do in that situation? How do you keep your freedom but not go to one of those two extremes? We're going to talk about that next week. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to save that. And I'll talk about how do we kind of keep our freedom when what we want to do is not good. But as we, as we just finish up for tonight, um, maybe you guys want to just play a little bit of music. Um, I just want you to think f just for a minute, and then we'll pray. Right now, where, where you're at, where, where are you feeling pressure? Like, where, where are you under pressure? Where, where are you feeling some sort of external standard? What's the right thing? What should I do? What ought I do? This, this pressure to do the right thing. Just, just think, what, what sort of situation might you find yourself in at the moment? And what would it look like to flip that and just to think, I'm free. I'm completely loved by God. I'm completely forgiven and accepted by him. What do I actually want to do in that situation? What do I want to do from this place of freedom? And you get to do that. You get to live free. So Father, we just thank you so much for this, this reality that, that you have for us, that, that you're our God and that you love us and that you have paid an incredible price for us to know you and to be able to walk in freedom and to be able to love you. And God, I just, I just pray, God, would you, would you make this a more of a reality in our hearts? You give us the ability to let go of the old way and to trust you in the new, to trust the spirit, the new heart that you've given in us and to actually walk in this place of freedom. Father, I just pray that you'd meet us now. Um, you'd speak your truth into our hearts, your love. And God, just particularly for, for any of us tonight that are really feeling pressure, that are feeling the burden, 
maybe even feeling guilt or shame or fear. Jesus, we just ask for freedom in your name, just the reality of your love and the gospel and your acceptance that's for free that we just get to rest in it. God, we pray that that would be a reality for us tonight and you just help us to walk in this path of freedom and, and joy and love. So we just give ourselves to you, Lord, in your name. Amen.